are going to jump into our lesson. We've been doing a series the last few weeks called Four Questions for Times Like This. In our first week, we talked about how Jesus asked us questions that will change our life. And the first question we talked about is, why are you so afraid? And then last week, Pastor came and he asked us the question that Jesus asked, are, are you able to believe? Do you believe that I can do this? And he challenged us to approach this current time that we're living through with faith. And tonight, we're going to jump in, and I've got another question that I want to ask. This is a lesson for people who have problems that are persistent. You know, some problems are short-lived. They come and they go. You have an injury, but it gets better. Or you, you change jobs, or you lose a job, but then you get another job. And and, uh, or maybe you're having problems with a coworker, and that lasts for a time, and then it's over with. And there are short-lived problems. But what I want to do tonight is to address those people who have had issues or problems that have been long-standing in your life, an ongoing problem. And I want, I want you to listen through that lens. Maybe you've had persistent migraine headaches as long as you can remember, or a medical issue that you have been struggling with for years. Maybe your problem has been constant bouts with depression, or maybe it's overeating that you've struggled with. I can raise my hand on that one. Uh, we, I think we all struggle with that one a little bit. But uh, may, maybe it's overspending. Maybe you've been bored at home during the shelter-in-place order, and you've been buying everything you see online and you need help because you got a long-standing problem with overspending. Maybe it's overcommitting and you never have time for the important things because things consume your life. Or, or maybe it's even an addiction that you've been fighting or a relationship or a marital struggle that you have been going through. I want you to listen to this lesson through the lens of that ongoing issue and problem. John chapter 5, Jesus uh, the Bible says, comes up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish feasts. And verse 2 says, Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Another version calls them five porches. And here the Bible says that a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. He's been paralyzed 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? This man was laying by the pool of Bethesda. And the scripture says that one time a year God would send an angel and an angel would trouble the normally still waters. And when the waters were troubled, there was healing in the water. And the first man in the water got his healing. And here was this man laying there in John 5. And Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? Verse 7 says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. For while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The Bible says that this pool called Bethesda was by the sheep gate in Jerusalem. This is the place where they brought the sheep in to offer them up as sacrifice for the temple. It was a place that was also called the prison gate in the authorized version of Scripture. It was called the sheep gate because the sheep were brought into the temple by sacrifice. And it is described as having five porches or porticos. So if you can just imagine with me for a moment that the scenery that was common around these pools were herds of smelly sheep moving through the, uh, the streets and you would find their disabled, lame and blind people laying all around the pools as the sheep and their shepherds meandered by on their way to the temple. Why were they there? Why were all of these sick and disabled people laying by the pool of Bethesda? Because the scripture tells us that healing happened at the pool of Bethesda. In fact, one theory about the five porches is that they were built because of the healing that happened in the waters. That when they discovered that an angel would trouble the waters and there was healing there, they came along and they bought, uh, built five porches so that it was easier for the sick and the lame and those in need of healing to access the pool. And so once a year, an angel would stir up the water, and we know that the first in was healed. And so when the waters were stirred, the race was on. Crippled didn't matter. Halt didn't matter. Lame, blind, didn't know which direction. Just point me in the right direction when the waters are stirred because that healing was in the water. And so the race was on every year. And so these people kind of gravitated to this location in Jerusalem. It's one of the unique things about the Pool of Bethesda is that it became a place that was associated with disability. On one hand, healing was there, but on the other hand, disability was there. I can't think of anything that reminds me of the church uh, or, or the ministry of Christ anymore because Jesus said, I was not sick, uh, uh, sent to heal them that are whole, but for the sick. And so the church is a place where healing happens, but it's also a place where people who need healing gather. And that was the pool of Bethesda. People who were in need gathered there and made it a sort of home base because they knew that they could find healing there. They knew that there was an opportunity for healing to touch their life. Here's the interesting thing is the vast majority of them were never healed. They were never made well. And, and here's the thing. is So many of them would gather at this pool. And, and only one person a year would walk away with healing. It's entirely possible that some of them came simply to gather because it was a place for people like themselves. They might not have even expected or tried too hard to get in the water when it was troubled. But they liked being around people who were like them. And it was a place that was simultaneously associated with healing on one hand, but persistent problems on the other. Perhaps that is why it was also called the prison gate. And, and here 
the Bible says Jesus meets a man who has been trapped in his problem for 38 years. 38 years he has been paralyzed. And when Jesus saw him and heard his story, Jesus had a question that would change his life. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? You're here at the place of healing. You're gathered with people like yourself, people in need of a touch, in need of a miracle. And Jesus asked him that uh, whether or not he wants to be made whole. Jesus understood that being in a place where healing happens doesn't necessarily mean that someone is committed to doing whatever it takes to be made whole. And so tonight, I am talking to people who may have been in church for years. You may have attended church for years, but you've been living with an ongoing and persistent problem, dealing with ongoing issues, and you've never really found the answer or the change that you're looking for. And just because you come to church doesn't mean that you really want to be made whole. It doesn't mean that you're really willing to step out in faith and do what it takes to be made whole. And so maybe you've been in church for a while, but your marriage is still rocky. Your struggle with that particular sin still rages on. Maybe you've never received healing in your body that you're looking for. Maybe you still fight with anxiety and depression and haven't found freedom of mind and spirit that you're looking for. Maybe you're still overeating, overspending. Maybe you still struggle with addiction to a substance or to pornography. And I've come to talk to you tonight about a question that God is asking us in this time. And that question is, do you want to be well? Do you want things to get better? Jesus' question is simply, do you want to be well? Because listen, one moment with Jesus changed everything for this paralyzed, invalid man. 38 years of suffering were undone in a single moment with Jesus Christ. One moment with Jesus can change everything. No matter how long you've been suffering, no matter how long you've been fighting, no matter how long you've been looking for answers, your problem is not too big and it hasn't lasted too long that Jesus is not able to heal it. Whether it's issues of the heart or of the mind or whether it's outward issues or, or whatever it is, whether it's a job struggle or financial issues or habits, hang-ups, whatever it is, it's not too big for Jesus. One moment with Jesus can change everything. And if you've been struggling with an ongoing problem, Jesus can heal it. But first, he wants to know, do you want to be made well? You see, there are some things that happen. The longer a problem persists, some things that develop when we have these ongoing issues. For 38 years, this man had developed some conditions that were associated to his condition. 
Because listen, the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. 38 years this man had been living with this problem. We don't know whether he was born with it or whether it was an accident or how he came to it. But we do know that for 38 years he had had this problem in his life that he couldn't seem to find healing for. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you're watching and you have lived with an addiction for years. Maybe you've never figured out how to get your marriage in sync and you've been living with a bad marriage or a health issue. Maybe it's that, that you've been sick or you're diabetic or, or there's something in your life that you've been unable to change with treatment and you've tried but you can't change it and things are not getting better. Maybe you've done your best and it hasn't panned out. And I just, I just want to say that the longer that a problem persists, the more likely we are to become discouraged. Discouraged that we can't make it through. Discouraged that we can't overcome. Discouraged that we can't find a way to be free from our issue. Listen, a few years back I was lifting weights and foolishly Without a trainer, I, I lifted weights incorrectly and hurt my back. And I thought, you know what? Just going to be a tough guy. It doesn't hurt that bad. I'm just going to power through. And so I powered through. And the next day I came, my back hurt again. I, I powered through again. And I just kept powering through for about two or three weeks until I just couldn't stand it anymore. I tried everything and my back was killing me. So I stopped working out. And I figured something out. The life after 30 is different. Because if you injure yourself and you're over 30, your injury doesn't just go away like it used to. It stays with you. And, and that's what happened to me. Over a year, I had pain that would shoot down my back every time I would sit in my truck or sit on a church pew or sit over uh, in our seats where the preacher sit. Every time I would sit down, pain would shoot down through my back and into my hips. And, and I got to a point where the longer the problem went on, Three months, six months, and nine months in, I started to believe that this is just what my life is going to be like now. Now, I'm just not going to be able to be active. I'm going to have to deal with pain all the time. Nothing is really going to help it. And when it comes, I, there, I'm just going to have to deal with it and live with it. And listen, I started getting desperate. I started getting serious in my prayers about it. I started having every evangelist that came through lay hands on me. I had pastor pray for me. I had people anoint me with oil because I was desperate because the longer my problem persisted, the more discouraged I became. I started thinking, I guess this is just my life now. I went and saw an orthopedic doctor. He, he did x-rays, could find no problems. I went to a chiropractor and he popped me every which way. No solution. And there was no one to help me, it felt like. And so I started getting more and more desperate and looking towards God. And listen, the longer that we have issues that persist in our life, the more discouraged we become about them, the more hopeless we become about our future. And I just want to tell you tonight that long-standing problems will discourage your spirit. And listen, that's not all they do. The longer a problem persists, the more excuses that we make. Listen to what he says to Jesus. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And he tells Jesus, sir, I have no one to help me in the pool. 
And when the water is stirred, others are faster than me. Others are more able than me. Others are quicker. They have more help than me. And someone always beats me to the water. And he couldn't walk. But listen, I see here that he was trying. He says, while I'm trying, someone else gets in. He's tried everything he knows. He's tried to bring the strongest, fastest friends and say, hey, when you see the water bubble, you drag me in, Bubba. You just grab me by the collar and pull me in, whatever it takes. But everything that he tried didn't work. He tried rolling, I'm sure. He tried scooting. Maybe he did the inchworm to try and get in the water. But he was trying his best, but he, his best was not enough to bring healing to his life. And listen, when the problems won't change, we start making excuses. We become professionals at diagnosing all the reasons that things have not changed and why they might never will. And we get good at living with the hard realities. We get good at telling ourselves, well, this is what life is going to be like now. And here's why. It's because I don't have anyone to help me. And if I just, if I just had a friend or if somebody would just come into my life and, and give me the right advice or instructions, if, if I just had a family that supported me more and we start coming up with excuses. Well, yeah, I have a bad marriage, but my husband won't change. Yeah, I, I can't get a good job, but it's because I don't have a degree. Yeah, I, I'm overweight and I'm a little out of shape, but it's because I don't have any time to exercise. And I've tried counseling once, and, and th those counselors, all they do is sit there and listen and write on their notepad. And, and, and I've tried medication, but that made me feel funny, and it didn't work out. And listen, we learn to make excuses the longer that a problem persists. You've never heard a good excuse until you've been a pastor checking on a missing church member. Listen, I looked up a, a, a list of some funny excuses that people gave to their pastors and, and, uh, and reasons for missing church. One, of, one person told their pastor, sorry pastor, we couldn't make it to service. We were out of peanut butter. Out of peanut butter. I didn't realize that peanut butter was a necessity. <laughs> Maybe they had the, uh, uh, the car keys with the peanut butter. I don't know. Uh, Another one said, I was too drunk, so I went soul winning with my dog, Rambo. Listen, don't go soul winning when you're drunk. First of all, don't get drunk. But certainly, it's not an excuse to miss church. Another one said, Pastor, I can't come because both of my girlfriends attend church there. Maybe that one's a little closer to home. Another one said, the worship leader pulls up his pants too often. It's distracting. Another one said, well, you know, my, my kids take naps during their time. Listen, if your kids take naps during church time, bring them. We got plenty of people that fall asleep in church. Another one said, my wife cooked bacon for breakfast and our entire family smelled like bacon. I, I don't really see the excuse here. I'm sure everybody would love to smell you if you smell like bacon. Come on to church. And another one said, we got burned out at church and, and we've been taking a break the past seven years. Listen. If you've been taking a break for seven years, it's all right. It's time to come on back. Yeah, you've had plenty of time to rekindle the fire. Come on home. Come on home, backslider. And listen, here's the last one I'll share with you. Someone said, Pastor, I can't come because I always get hemorrhoids on Sunday. Apparently, it's the one day a week they had a problem. But look, the longer a problem persists, the more we learn to make excuses for it. Some even come up with doctrines like, well... 
healing and the time for healing is over. Or God doesn't pour out His Spirit or move that way anymore. Some people say, well, God doesn't heal people like me. Or they come up with all sorts of reasons and excuses for why they are the way they are. 38 years he's been sick. He's been paralyzed. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? And he says, yes, but I don't have any man to put me in the water. And I don't have the ability to get myself in the water. And, and I don't have any help. And, and I just haven't had good luck. Or I couldn't get a good enough spot this year. And look, we learn to make excuses for our persistent problems. And listen, here's the last one. The longer a problem persists, the more you learn to compensate. Compensating is our defense mechanism when we're facing problems that persist. And what some of us do is we overcompensate. We struggle in one area, so we try to make up for it in another area. Well, I, I'm depressed and, and I have anxiety and, and I don't feel worshipful and, and I can't really praise God, so I'm going to give a little bit more money. Or I, I, uh, I'm struggling financially and, and, and I, I struggle with the issue of tithing and, and I, I, I'm always behind on my bills and I can't really give to God's kingdom so I'll just give a little bit more time and we try to overcompensate for our problem area. We try to make up for another area. And then on the other hand, some of us undercompensate and we rely heavily on others. We can't go two or three days without calling up that mentor or friend or pastor and we just can't seem to make it through without somebody else. We rely on others to, to help us and to, uh, uh, to make up for what we're missing. And listen, compensating is our way of learning to live with our problem. And that's how people become functional alcoholics is they learn to live. If they can't overcome it, they just learn and find a way to live with it. This is how people learn to exist in dysfunctional marriages and and my marriage is bad and my home life is bad, so I just work harder and spend more hours on the road because I don't know what to do to overcome the problem in my marriage. Some people have porn addictions that they've learned to live with and they act like everything's okay, but inside their mind is warped and their soul is twisted. And then there are others that live beyond the means and you think that everything is okay with them, but they are struggling to make it from paycheck to paycheck. They've got credit cards on top of credit cards and they've learned to live with their problem. And the truth is that though you may not like your circumstances, you can learn to get used to them. You can learn to manage them. The Bible says that when God sent Cain away from his family due to his sin out upon the face of the earth, that Cain said this, he said, I, this is more than I can bear. This is more than I can live with. How can I lose my family, my home, my history? How can I lose all that and live? And how can I be driven from the face of God and live? But the story goes that Cain went on and he lived a life and he built homes and he built cities and he built nations and he thrived. He found a way to live with his long persisting problem. And that's what we do is we learn to compensate in our own ways. 
But listen, here's what I've come to tell you tonight, that you cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. If you are willing to live with it, you cannot change it. That's why Jesus asks us, do you want to get well? Because if you're okay with the way that things are, if you're okay with the current struggle, if you're fine living and compensating and making excuses, you can never find the freedom that Jesus has for you. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. So what is the biggest hindrance of faith? Is it worry, doubt, fear? These are all things that come to mind, but I believe what really hinders faith is when things become familiar. Familiarity is the enemy of faith. Accepting what is rather than believing God for what could be. This is the life that I know. This is the circumstances that I know. And when I accept it, I am reducing my faith and I'm saying I can live here. I can make it here. I've always been unable to walk. I can deal with that. I've always struggled financially. We'll find a way to make it through. I've always been an average student, so why try any harder? I've always dated the wrong type, so no wonder I have a bad relationship. I've always had struggles with my parents, so what if I can't fix it? I've always had spiritual doubts and skepticism, and so we learn to live with these things. And the greatest danger to our faith for being made well is learning to compensate and live with what is limiting our God-given purpose and potential. God never intended for us to stay stuck in the mud, to stay stuck in the mess, to stay stuck in the mire. God has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. And so, listen, some people live in constant chaos and drama, not because they have to, or even because they want to, but it's because it's what they are familiar with, and they don't have faith to step away from it. Listen, it takes faith to step away from the life that you have known, from the struggle that you have known, from the habits and hang-ups that you have known. It takes faith to step out and to believe God for something different. And maybe that is the reason that Jesus asked, do you want to be well? I'm coming quickly to a close. But maybe, maybe that's just why God asked, do you want to be well? Because you can't help someone who needs help. You can only help someone who wants help. You can't help somebody that just needs help. There are a lot of people that need help. But you can only help someone who really wants to be helped. If you're asked, do you want to get out of debt, and your answer in your heart is no, because shopping is your drug of choice, then you won't find your healing. If you want to be free from addiction, but you find comfort in your chains, then you'll never find the healing that you're looking for. If you have a temper, but you use it to control and, and, and to manipulate people around you, you'll never find freedom. If you really want to lose weight, 
Listen, you got to want it more than you want the donuts. Ultimately, you can only help someone who wants to be helped. Some people are so comfortable in their discomfort that they prefer staying in the mess because getting out of it seems unfamiliar and uncomfortable. I've literally heard people tell me that they would pray for healing, but if they were healed, they might lose their disability check. How many people are stuck in life? How many people are stuck laying at the place of healing? They come to church and they have ongoing issues that they need God to take care of, but they're afraid of what it might be like to step out in faith. But listen, I've come to tell you tonight that healing will not begin until your desire is bigger than your disability, until you long for healing more than you long for that habit or that hang-up. Your healing will not begin until your desire, until you find a greater love, something that you love more. And listen, Jesus has the power to heal. One moment with Him can change everything. 38-year problem is no problem for Him. It doesn't matter how long you've lived with it. It doesn't matter how many excuses you've made for it. It doesn't matter how much you've learned to compensate. One moment with Jesus can heal what's been hurting you. But first, Jesus wants to know, do you want to be made well? The invalid man said, no one will help me into the water. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says, if you will get up, take up your mat and walk. And, and he said, it's time for your healing. Healing is here. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The past 38 years didn't matter. The excuses didn't matter. The compensating didn't matter because Jesus was here. If you can just get close to Jesus, He will do things that you didn't even ask Him to do. Jesus was essentially saying, I don't want to hear your excuses, but I want to see your faith. What did Jesus say to that man? He said, get up. Take up your mat. Take a step of faith. Sit up. Get up off of your sick bed. Take a step of faith. Throw away the cigarettes. Tell a friend about your addiction. Call a pastor for counseling. Do something to get out of what has been binding you and holding you back. Listen, if some small tweak would have worked, you would have already done it. But Jesus said, I'm not going to carry you. You have to get up and walk. And listen, if you will take a step of faith into the uncomfortable, if you will obey the voice of the Master, you will find in Him what you have never been able to find before. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? Do you want freedom from anxiety? Do you want to stop being controlled by anger? Do you want freedom from thoughts that have held you hostage? Do you want to be set free from your substance abuse and addiction? From the guilt and shame of being trapped by pornography? Do you want to be free from hate and unforgiveness in your heart? Do you want doubt and spiritual skepticism to fall away? Are you tired of always second-guessing God and His Word? Do you want to be made whole? And Jesus says, 
I will if you will. Jesus will do his part. Why? Because healing will not begin until your desire is bigger than your disability. And listen, you cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. You gotta get tired of where you've been living. Listen, if you've been living and struggling with sin, you can lift your hands right where you are right now and you can say, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me whiter than snow. And in one moment with Jesus, it can change everything if you've been sick and need healing in your body and you've got a family member in your room I wonder if somebody in faith would say lay hands on me and as they lay hands on you as you step out in faith God can heal you right now do you want to be made whole God doesn't want to hear your excuse he wants to see your faith and if you'll give him your faith you'll find your healing I want to pray for you right now would you just close your eyes? Maybe you want to lift your hands. Maybe you want to bow your head. We're going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, across this city right now, your spirit would sweep through our homes, God. People that need healing from hurts, God, from hang-ups, God, from old abuses from long ago, God. People that were hurt as children, God, would you heal them now? God, would you free them from relational disabilities, God, and relational problems, God? Would you begin to do a healing work, God? You are stirring and troubling the waters, and I believe in the Spirit that if we'll step in, we'll find our healing in you, Jesus. God, I pray right now that the hand of God would touch each and every family. God, we want to be made whole. We want to find newness of life. God, there's healing in your hands. And we cry out to you, God, because we're tired of living with this ongoing problem. God, we look for freedom in you tonight, Jesus. Amen. I believe that God is working right now in your homes. I can feel the presence of God right now. I believe God is going to heal a body. I want you to share your testimony on our Facebook page. I want you to come in and share what God is doing for you because God is a healer. And listen, one moment with Jesus can change everything. One desperate cry can change everything. Pastor preached about it Sunday. One desperate cry can change everything. Maybe you've been in depression, but listen, if you'll step out in faith and start speaking hope, depression has to flee in Jesus name right now you can receive it tonight in Jesus name we thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord amen God bless you and thank you for joining tonight may God's presence rest upon your family and may his healing come upon you even now in Jesus name God richly bless you